excited to have you here. Uh, for the last two years, we have been doing live broadcasts every week, uh, Thursday at 11.30 Pacific, 2.30 Eastern. We will continue to do that into the new year, and we are going to be adding more content for our podcast listeners. For those of you that are catching up on our episodes on the iTunes Store and on Google Play, as well as on salespipelineradio.com, uh, we're just doubling down. We're going to add more content more great speakers and thought leaders in the B2B sales and marketing space. A little bit of shorter format, a little different format, but uh, same sales pipeline radio that hopefully you have come to enjoy and love. And today, I'm very excited to have joining us today on this special edition of Sales Pipeline Radio, Mike Schultz. He is the co-president of The Rain Group and the best-selling author of the book, Insight Selling. Mike, thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Matt. It's good to be here. Absolutely. So, wanted to just first just talk a little bit about Rain Group because I know you know we've known each other for a while. You guys have you guys have done a lot of great work in the field in terms of helping companies with their sales strategy. You've been spearheaded a lot of great research. But just give a give a quick overview of how what Rain Group focuses on and what you guys do. Uh, sure. Let's see. Uh, Rain Group uh, founded the company in 2002. Uh, we are a sales training and performance improvement company, and most of our work is teaching people how to sell. For those of you who are in the world of selling and sales training, uh, we are a major method company and on Selling Power magazine listed the top 20 sales training companies in the world. We're headquartered in uh, Boston, Massachusetts, and we have offices in Geneva, London, Mumbai, Sydney, Johannesburg, Toronto, and now Bogota. Uh, and as for myself, uh, I am uh, less important than all the people that actually uh, find clients, work with clients, and deliver the work. I sit at my desk doing research and writing and thinking and intellectual capital, uh, and I am the director of the Rain Group Center for Sales Research, which is uh, going to be a part of our conversation today. Yeah, very much so. I think, you know, we've, there's so many different angles that we could take based on so your expertise and experience. But what really caught my attention a couple weeks ago was this new research that the that the Center for Sales Research just released around sales prospecting. And I think, you know, what's interesting to me as I look through, I mean, and this is not just a couple of people you talk to, like almost 500 buyers, over $4 billion in purchases. So we're talking about some significant rigor that went into the data you pulled and who you pulled it from. And it really started to, I mean, what's interesting to me about this research is it's it's debunking some of what you hear so often in sales these days, that cold calling is dead, that you can only reach people through digital, that, that buyers don't want to engage with sellers, that, uh, that that I think it has cast a bit of a pall on the selling community. And I mean, there's plenty of folks in the industry that have said, listen, like, you know, you still could be proactive. You could still reach buyers. You still, if you come with value, you can still do proactive outreach. And I think the stat that stood out to me just as a starting point is that, you know, your research found 82% of the buyers you surveyed said they still accept meetings from sellers who proactively reach out to them. So maybe cold calling isn't dead. Uh, maybe it isn't. It's a, um, it's a fun article title. It gets a lot of clicks. Uh, and I think that there are, um, when it comes to a lot of these uh, articles that say, do this and do that, uh, I think that, one, people do something and it works for them, but they have no idea if something else works better. Uh, two, they have a dog in the hunt, so they're saying, don't do this, do that, because it's what I sell. And three, I think some people don't know what they're talking about, so they say things that they think are going to sound popular so they can shine uh, a light on them. Uh, when we did this research, we didn't necessarily set out to debunk anything. We just set out to find out what's actually happening. Uh, and you see a lot of data from 
sellers, like I prospected or we analyzed uh, 3 million emails that went out or our top performers do this. So we figured, all right, let's actually do that. And we talked to uh, 489 sellers who prospect to find out you know, from their view what's work, what works for them. But what we rarely see and what I don't find is uh, conversations with buyers. So we did talk to 489 buyers, uh, actually 488 buyers, and as you noted, they represented $4.2 billion in purchasing power, uh, and they were across 25 industries and from all over the world. And we wanted to know what their experiences were like being sold to all day. Do you take meetings? If you do, what are the things that make you think, wow, this person is worth my time. I think I'm going to give them the 20 minutes. Uh, as a matter of fact, how many minutes do you give them was one of the questions that we asked them. Uh, so I'm going to give them the 20 minutes. And what makes you think uh, this person is not reaching out to me the right way? There is no way I'm reaching back to them. So we wanted to know what worked and what different from the buyers and the sellers. And it just turned out that the things that we found were uh, they went against the grain of the common conventional wisdom currently going around in the industry. And that was fun. And so we published the results. <laughs> well, it's certainly fun. I think, you know, to your point, I think, you know, it's, it's often it can generate good headlines and clicks when you say something is dead. I think oftentimes people that say anything is dead are, are too often uh, just trying to promote whatever is now alive as the next step and something they maybe want to sell or evangelize as part of that. But your research, if you dig into this further, it's, it, it points out a couple things. You know, the statistically, almost even the buyers that took a meeting when someone connected them over the phone versus email. Uh, so it, it's not like, you know, I think the email was at 58% of buyers, phone was 54%. Um, statistically, that's pretty close. Uh, but still, the majority of sellers also said it takes between five and 10 touches to connect with that prospect for the first time. So there's another fallacy here that, you know, if people think cold calling is dead, well, it's always been dead if you call with, with something that's not valuable to the prospect. It's also always been dead if you call once, don't reach the prospect, and then give up and move on to someone else. That polite, value-added persistence is has always been, I would argue, and is still today the key to getting your prospect on, you know, into that conversation. Yeah, I, I guess it's the way to say it is the the more things change, the more they stay the same. I think it's it's pretty interesting that um, you know, there's just a ton of you know, everything should be inbound, no more outbound, it's dead. And you know, the guys from from HubSpot were were big into uh, making that key point that yeah, you can actually make inbound happen and it's completely new. And if you want to sell a story, you have to have a hero and a villain. So the villain became outbound. Well, now there's a conference called outbound, just like uh, just like there's a conference from HubSpot called inbound. But mm -hmm. you know, they're, they're not mutually exclusive that if one wins, the other one loses. It's more like cooking. Uh, just because you can do molecular gastronomy now and you couldn't do it a few years ago, and just because pressure cookers are safe now and they didn't used to be safe doesn't mean baking has changed. And I think when it comes to, let's call it prospecting versus cold calling, that long-term value-added touching with a certain amount of skill and gravitas that will get you through to people and then make you credible when you get there, it's more like baking. I mean, Matt, I uh, went to my, my kitchen last weekend and I looked up a cake recipe and I followed all the directions and I did everything to a T and I put it in the oven and the cake didn't rise. So cakes don't rise. Of course they rise. You just don't know how to bake. So there are a lot of people like, oh, 
they have an emotional desire. I don't want a prospect. I don't want a cold call. Marketing should do these kinds of things. Sure, I can follow up, but if they don't have you know, budget authority, need and time frame, the old school, old school bant, which I don't agree with either, then I don't even want to talk to them. Well, you can also make no money and fail in sales. Uh, mm-hmm. But if you want to learn how to bake, there are certainly recipes out there that if you have a little bit of skill and you're willing to put the time in, you can make cakes rise and you can do it the old style way by reaching out. If we keep peeling back the onion on the research you did, I think it further, you know, enumerates the what we've known for a while that, you know, you can't just call up a prospect and start pitching your services. You have to put that in the context of their business. And, you know, your research found 69% of buyers were influenced to accept a meeting when 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 the sellers shared primary research relevant to the buyer's business. And I think, you know, this would this is going to make the folks at uh, CEB Gartner and this, the challenger sale, challenger customer folks particularly happy because you're basically talking about insights, right? You're talking about coming and bringing some insight to the prospect, potentially challenging their status quo to help them think differently about a problem. And you know, I think that that insight, that information that whether or not I buy from you helps me do my job better, um, that's quite valuable. And if you do, if you target me well, if you customize that message to me as a buyer, even if you're being interruptive, quote unquote, by cold calling or sending me an email that I maybe didn't ask for, if you target me right, that is still valuable, and that is, you know, you can, you know, we talk sometimes about, you know, going from interruptive to ir- interruptive to irresistible, to, to make your message and your value something prospects want to hear more about. And I think your research definitely sort of it seems to indicate that that approach is working, um, you know, when you ask buyers, not just sellers, but buyers uh, about that. Yeah, sure, it can make the folks at um, CEB, Gartner, et cetera, et cetera happy um, because it's insight. It also makes me happy since I'm the author of the book Insight Selling. So (laughs) I didn't necessarily know that was going to come to the top, but uh, it did come to the top. Uh, Interestingly enough that our research and CEB's research, you know, found at least similarly that buyers are influenced and appreciate when someone brings something to the table that helps them think and helps them, um, helps them shape their own agenda in positive ways. Uh, It's kind of obvious, but it's true. However, the second one, uh, in terms of content that influences buyers to accept a meeting or otherwise connect, is descriptions of the provider's capabilities. So for the last 20 years, we've been hearing, hearing capabilities pitches don't work. You have to focus on, you have to focus on, um, on insights and ROI and uh, speak directly to them. And I think, once again, they're not mutually exclusive. Those things are true. And there's tons of research to say, you know, for like serious decisions, 67% of the buying journey is now done online, and people don't need to hear about your capabilities. They've done your own research. Well, you know what? If you are reaching out to them and, they, and you are trying to create a conversation, what are the odds that you do that at 1 p.m., but at 10 a.m., they were on the website reading about your capabilities? They mm-hmm. don't know if you're going to be relevant to them. So we found that they, they want to know, like, you have to tell me what you do, and if I even have an inkling that that's something that might be inside you know, my area of concern or my area of influence, then perhaps we can talk about it. But if you're completely heading down the wrong path or I don't know what you do, then you know, I'm less likely to, to reach back to you. So, so certainly they're influenced by, by content, and certainly they're influenced by energy, like content 100% customized to our specific situation was uh, tied for second along with descriptions of the provider's capabilities for the, the factors, uh, the content that influences whether a buyer uh, accepts a meeting or otherwise connects. Um, 
but it's just a little surprising that you know, article after article about they can do their own research. Don't talk about what you do. It's like, well, you got to have that in the mix too, or else they can't. Or else you're not giving them a context for why they should talk to you or not. Yeah, well, and I think the you know to know, to be able to sort of sequence that, and you know, one of our one of our VPs talks a lot about sort of you know you have something you can close to, right? Like if you're providing insights, that's great. But if it's just an insight and okay, thanks very much, you know, as opposed to, you know, tell me about you know how this fits into your business. What are you trying to achieve that you're you're not that you're struggling with today that is a challenge for you uh, in your business? And you know, to have something that you can close to that gets you further along, that gets you engaged, that gets you prospect to say yes. It may not be saying yes to the full meal deal, but yes, say yes is just something to get started. Uh, I think it's an important part of that. I, and I, I keep thinking too about your your cake analogy, right? If you follow the recipe, you would think that it will work every time, and it doesn't. Um, and so I think that you know too often in in B two B marketing as well as in sales, you know we're looking for the silver bullet. We're looking for something that um, is going to be easy to implement. That's going to be you know paint by numbers and. I just think for most of us in complex buying and selling environments, that doesn't exist. And so, you know, what I liked about your research is it, it points out some things, it, it, it debunks some fallacies, I think, that have started to persist in the B2B market, but also points out, you know, some some key elements that are, uh, so I think pillars to good baking, you know, that, that are things like, you know, bringing uh, relevant information to the buyer and, you know, being clear about your capabilities and how that ties back to those situations, leveraging multiple channels and, you know, engaging in polite persistence with that prospect to get them on the phone. Um, what are other things that, you know, as we kind of wrap up our time here with Mike Schultz, he's the co-president of the Rain Group, the author of Insight Selling, and his Center for Sales Research just published this great study on sales prospecting that we will have linked in the uh, in the podcast notes for this episode of Sales Pipeline Radio. As we're now sort of really sort of hitting our stride into 2018, what are some other things you're seeing in the field that that, that, that sellers are struggling with um, that are that are worth putting a putting a spotlight on as well? Uh, sure. I think one of the things that we're seeing uh, in the field has nothing to do with skill uh, or approach. It has to do with your mindset. Uh, that we found that the top performers, because we did an analysis of top performers, those that got meet more meetings, those that got better meetings, and those that brought more of those meetings ultimately to a sale, we asked them certain things about their mindset. So for the top performers, I enjoy the time I spend prospecting. Top performers, 73%. The rest, 49%. Mm -hmm. I feel energized after the time I spend prospecting. 80% top performers, 52%. The rest. And then prospecting is the least appealing part of what I do. Only one in five of the top performers said yes, uh, but uh, uh, more than a third of the rest said yes to that, that they essentially detest prospecting. So um, understanding what it is, changing the story that you tell yourself. If you say, I hate prospecting, you're never going to be good at it. It's a, a self-fulfilling prophecy of failure. Uh, and it's probably not just true. Uh, you know, thinking back to our baking recipe, it's more like golf. You can't, you just can't do paint by numbers. Grab club, put ball on tee, walk up to ball, <laughs> grab club like this, swing back, swing through, hit ball 250 yards down the fairway. That is the paint by numbers. However, you still have to get good at it. And you're not going to have any fun if you're awful. So don't have that sort of self-fulfilling prophecy of failure. Adopt a winner's mindset, and this is important for both sellers and coaches. 
I'll provide uh, two other quick thoughts. Uh, one is people talk about, oh, geez, you know, it's all the millennials and all the younger people that are uh, using LinkedIn, um, and it's not necessarily the C-level folks. So LinkedIn lessons. 82% of all buyers said before they choose to reach back to a seller via phone or email, they look them up on LinkedIn. That was across the whole database. 82% of them said they look them up on LinkedIn. But it was the C-level people in terms of accepting a connection with them that were more likely to accept a connection that says, I don't know the person, but we have shared connections. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know the person, but they communicated a reason to connect. So they actually wrote to the person. And then I don't know the person, but they provide a product or service of interest to my organization. It was the C-level versus the directors, managers, and the individual contributors who are much more highly likely to say yes to those things, probably because they're in the decision-making. They're, they're, they're looking for connections. They're looking for ideas, and they're looking you up. So I think that that was pretty interesting, and I look at a lot of the um, uh, LinkedIn profiles of like a core seller. Last time they updated it was when they were looking for a job. So when someone looks them up, it says, Matt Hines, um, quota-busting salesperson, never gives up on a negotiation, always gets premium pricing, uh, a, a, a tiger for chasing the next deal. Yeah, that's exactly what you want, what you want, the, what, what you want a buyer to read about you. How about you change it to the value <laughs> provide and the difference that you make and, and the areas where you help? But now that you have your job, you're not focused on LinkedIn. It's just, it's just awful. And then the last right. part... Uh, the last part that I would share is just that the whole myth is this is the part where uh, maybe the CEV won't, won't be so happy because they're so happy about talking about that 57% of the purchase decision is complete before a customer calls a supplier. Well, that gives, that gives sellers the impression that buyers actually don't want to hear from sellers. I don't think that's a relevant point. Okay, even 20 years ago, we would sit around and say, um, here's what we're trying to do. How can we approach this? Let's look up a couple of providers. Let's grab the brochures if we have them versus the web, which we weren't looking at the web yet. Yeah, now maybe it's a little bit easier to look some things up, but still we ask the buyers, when do you actually want to hear from sellers? So for the, the buyers that actually accept meetings, which was 82% of them, 71% of those want to talk to, to sellers when I'm looking for new ideas and possibilities to drive stronger results to improve my business. That was the number one. The next one was 62% is the next you know, part down the buying journey, which is when I'm actively looking for a solution to fix what's broken or solve a problem. And it went down from there. In terms of the buyers that only wanted to hear from a seller after the provider for, has responded to my request for proposal or a quote, such as a finals presentation, that was 30%, which matches our old research that 30% of buyers don't care about relationships and buy more on just sort of analytical factors and price where the rest are just using a whole different set of criteria to figure out what to do and who to do it with. So it's misleading to say that this whole buying journey stuff is done before, um, before the seller even gets involved. I think that what's happening here is that the sellers don't have the skills to do a good job when they actually talk to someone early in the sales cycle. 58% of the buyers said they did not find meetings with salespeople valuable. If we can change this, I think we change the whole calculus about when buyers talk to sellers more often. But right now, they want to talk to you. They're looking to talk to you. You just need to do a good job getting those meetings, and you need to do a good job when you have them. And when you do, you can bring, um, you can control your destiny, you control your pipeline, and you can bring a lot more sales to close.
Amen. Mic drop from Mike Schultz at co-president of Rain Group and uh, author of Insight Selling. If you want to learn more about this research, and uh, I think it's certainly if you like what you're hearing today, want to share some of these specific stats back with your team, I encourage you to go to rainsalestraining.com slash sales dash research. Uh, we'll put that link in the notes for this podcast as well. And if you want to share an episode, share this episode with others on your team so they can hear directly from Mike and his perspective on sales prospecting and what's working, you can check that out anytime at salespipelineradio.com. Thank you very much, Mike, uh, for joining us today. Really appreciate it. All your insights. Thanks for having me, Matt. Absolutely. And join us again uh, next time. We've got uh, more guests coming up, uh, B2B sales and marketing leaders. Join us next time. Thanks very much for listening. This is Matt Hines. You've been listening to Sales Pipeline Radio. (laughs) 